What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Chats with Max. We got Spencer Stumbaugh on this week. He's the creative director of Movement Watches, and they've recently been acquired for $100 million, potentially 200 And he's been with the company ever since the days of working out of the kitchen, doing customer service, marketing, sales, you name it. This guy's done it. So sit back, relax, and listen in. Travel, entertainment, fashion, photography, social media, business, music. This is Chats with Max. So Spencer, let's roll back to your youth. Okay. So in your childhood, what kind of were your inspirations? Because now you kind of have this creative edge to you. You got the jeans with the Soden designs. Yep. You got the, yep. you're kind of the lead with these new designs like uh, the monochrome and different lines of watches that are going on here at Movement. So what kind of inspired you in your youth to be creative like you are now? Sure. So in terms of maybe like music and upbringing, how were you raised by your family? Yeah, sure. To, to, to take it back. So born and raised in Northern California in Sonoma County. And um, I was fortunate enough to uh, go to private school and we had a, a lot of like really cool and, and interesting, unique classes. Um, I remember, you know, back in sixth grade, I did a, a, a big uh, presentation on Andy Warhol. Oh, that's and it. Uh, that's what really got me into to art and pop art. You know, at the time, yeah. I, I loved comic books back then. So to kind of understand the, the art side of things, uh, you know, I always have, have taken art classes and got the opportunity to, to really go in, in that realm. Yeah. So you start out in art kind of young. Were you like painting or drawing back at home? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like a, a big inspiration to me growing up was, was my uncle. Mm -hmm. um, my mom's younger brother, uh, he kind of taught me everything I knew and, and put me on to, to what was like hip and creative. You know, he was a, a designer out in, in the Bay Area yeah. in, in Silicon Valley. So he just brought such a unique perspective to, to everything I was doing and kind of taught me to go against the grain. And, and like that. cool. so, you know, rolling into high school, I, I was I was the only dude in my in my class for all our art classes. I was taking interior design. I was taking, you know, painting and, and all that. And so really got to, to flex my creative muscle er, yeah. er, early on and, and really got to, to explore the opportunity. That's cool, man. It's kind of interesting, though, because, I mean, we're kind of moving forward a little bit, but I was kind of looking up your background prior to being a creative director over here at Movement. It seemed like you were kind of more into marketing and I would say more the business side of things. Yes, absolutely. With, right? 100%. So were you kind of fighting to find that balance between being creative and being kind of static or more, you know, business oriented at the same time? Yes, absolutely. Throughout the process of, you know, elementary to high school to college. Yeah, that, that was 100% my part of my struggle. Um, going into college, I really wanted to be an, an art major. But my parents were kind of like, you know, maybe you should think of like some other opportunities. Yeah. And, and then if it, you know, comes back up, that's something that you can find. So uh, I kind of came into college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I, I thought about law. So I came in, was a physics or a, a psych major, was a, um, yeah. you know, history, just kind of like criminal justice kind of floated all around and and uh one of the guys in my fraternity sat me down and he goes yo spencer what the fuck are you doing <laughs> he's like you need to do marketing he's like that's what you, you know you can be creative but it's also got the business side yeah. of it it's got the career growth and told me about this this marketing this new marketing major and it was called marketing imc 
and it was run by all guys who had previously sold businesses. So oh, the, wow, so crazy. these guys, the professors were the professors. So like that's always good because at least like in my experience with college, I, I study under a lot of professors that it seemed like they were career teachers in a way. You know? Totally, totally. Which for me. It's kind of like having a, a consultant that's never started a business. I just don't see that connection sometimes, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. and all these guys would come in, you know, they sold their their advertising agencies for 25, 30 million. And they're at San Diego State, by the way, that right? San, yeah, San Diego right, State. Cool. And they would go, you know, I'm bad at golf, so I want to come teach. Yeah. This was like their hobby. And they taught us, you know, a ton about branding and, you know, real life you know, circumstances where you can, can grow via marketing. And yeah. so that's when I was really first exposed to, to, to the business side of things yeah. and um, where I, you know, kind of uh, grew a lot on the, on the you know, numbers and, and, and business side. Mm -hmm. And I, I know we're kind of hitting the college part, but I mean, is there any kind of pinnacle moments maybe in high school or realizations that you had where you were like, I do want to pursue a career where I can still show my creative side or Anything like that stands out? Because I'm sure we have some listeners that are younger, you know? Pre-college? Yeah, yeah, like pre-college where, where you just kind of, you know, we're finding your way and, and you were realizing more and more what you wanted to do. Anything that kind of helps you along that way? Yeah. Um, I would say a, a big moment for me was I, I took this AP art class and spent a whole year working on this project to... to I forgot how it works back in the day, but you have to put together this portfolio. <laughs> yeah. And then if it gets accepted, it counts for, for college credit. And I ended up failing that from when I sent it in. Dude. And I was like, you know, I thought it was really good and I want to push forward. I love the creativity. And even though, you know, I didn't get the, the college credit for it, you know, it, it was so much fun working on that. And I, I kind of knew that whole time I wanted to be part of a creative process. Yeah. That's the thing that I find is crazy too, is I feel like a lot of big, uh, maybe cinematographers and artists, maybe they didn't do so well in school, but then they just kick ass in real life. Like it, yeah. I find that crazy how there sometimes is a disconnect between the two. Yeah. You know? I did really well in school on the numbers side of things and in yeah. my other classes, but this art class I ended up failing. So that was kind of funny that, you know, now I'm more on the, the creative side of things. Yeah. I feel you yeah. on that for sure. But anyways, so back at San Diego State, you're kind of finding your way. You're figuring out you want to go into marketing more. And I've kind of seen that Blake, Pins Blake Pinsker, is that how you say it? Yes, Blake Pinsker. You guys must have met each other early because that's Blake what it seems EP. like, right? Uh, Blake. Were you guys it, the same frat or something? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Blake is one of my best friends. We yeah. didn't like each other at first. Uh, I remember freshman year. We're, we're both pulling up to our first uh, fraternity event and yeah. this kid's in the loudest shirt and so am I. And I was immediately like, I don't like this kid. Like being for attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we ended up both uh, moving over to this marketing IMC major and we took our last, you know, 10, 15 business classes together. Mm -hmm. And we realized that we balanced each other out really well yeah. um, as far as like partners. And we... We tag teamed all these projects together. I remember. Uh, we, I, I, can I pause you for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing some research and I actually saw one of your marketing. I think it was from SDSU marketing class uh, videos on YouTube where you yes. were like doing an infomercial. That, yeah. dude, that was cracking me up. Oh, we had, we had a, a great professor who, who wanted us to do like some direct marketing. And so we challenged everyone to make their own. Yeah. infomercials and so blake and i made an infomercial about a, a hangover pill yeah and, uh, and yeah. it was like are you 
I, can you not ha- handle alcohol? Are you yeah. a bitch when it comes to drinking? Well, this is for you. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the professor uh, Osinski, great teacher, still shows that in his classes today. Really? Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. We, we hear younger kids talking about that. You know, talking about your creative side in video, I saw a video that was like eight years old that was in for a physics class that you did too. I think. Right. Oh yeah! Wow, that was in high school. Oh yeah. So I mean, I just thought that was really interesting because. You know, people usually have that option top for the video in the class, but only select few do it, do it and select yeah. few do it well. Like y- you always had this kind of comical, uh, relatable vibe in the videos too, which I liked. Thank so you. I cool. appreciate that. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've, I've been recording on like VHS since, since I was young. So whenever we had the opportunity to do a different format for a presentation in school, like, yeah. I always took that. But uh, to, to jump back to Blake, yeah. so we, um, we took all our marketing classes together. We were roommates and we just realized that we're pretty opposite in, in a lot of things, but we balanced each other out so well. And mm-hmm. we had like one common vision. So, uh, you know, from the college, I knew that eventually I'd, I want to work with Blake again. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Walk me through the process. What was the college experience like? Like kind of getting through senior year and all that. Were you a super senior? How did oh, yeah. everything work? Two, two senior years. Because I know you and Blake rendezvous later here at the company, but let's kind of yeah. get the full uh, arc. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> college was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, the fraternity experience was was really great for me because there was a lot of people who were like-minded and, and very like entrepreneurial themselves. And uh, what, what fraternity, by the way, you can uh, shout them out real quick. SAE, Phi Alpha. Hey, let's uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a lot of uh, older guys that really like helped guide me in, in, in my career path. And then, yeah. you know, linking up with Blake would, would have never happened. And that's what, you know, eventually brought, brought me to, to movement. So um, yeah, it was just a great experience. And um San Diego State has an awesome marketing program and to like run through that whole test run with Blake and find out that we work great together was, yeah. was you know, that's awesome. Like, what, uh, what was it like, by the way, because I had a friend who went to SDSU and he said it was like strongly impacted. It was like a struggle to cl- get classes. Like, did you ever struggle with that going through the process? Oh, too? yeah, I, c- I couldn't get classes for shit. Like, yeah. um, it's just because there's so many people, so, right? so many people. And you know what? I was fortunate enough to have the support of my parents. And they were like, you know, if you don't want to, to cram classes that don't work for your schedule, like yeah. think about the fifth year. And so mm-hmm. I was super blessed to have that opportunity. And I really did a lot of research and found out what teachers were the best. Because yeah. a lot of times you, you rate t- my professor, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But a yeah. lot of times you, you take classes for granted. And there's a, a ton of classes i didn't show up to and but, i mean i did the same i, I skipped class to go surfing a couple times so i feel you. absolutely <laughs> but um when it came down to it when it was yeah. in my major and something i was really passionate about which was was being creative and, and marketing yeah. i made sure i was in the classes that i wanted to be in Definitely, and so yeah. i took less units per per semester and i actually made my social life that much better you know a little less stress i would but agree yeah i got the classes that i eventually like wanted to take because you know i had seniority and um they were all amazing classes. They're worth the wait. Definitely. Okay, so you end up graduating. Blake and you, I assume, went off on separate paths because it looked like you worked at Northwestern Mutual, right? And oh then... no, that that was just uh, that was during college. Oh, I, was? I, I, yeah. So oh, I, yeah. I was recruiting for them during college, uh, just as an internship. I was like, shit, I don't have any experience. What I was that I... like, by the way? Because that's more like a finance job, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it was a a finance job, but I. 
the their like um their marketing and recruiting head there like kind of came in and was like we're not looking for anyone in finance we're looking for someone to kind of help us out with marketing and and help us out with recruiting and uh i really liked the 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 chick who came in and and so she was super cool and was okay. like we want a creative person to reach new young people who have you know a, uh, a good network so you know yeah it was just it was an internship okay i feel yeah. that um so what was next after sdsu though Okay. For you and Blake, because you guys seem like you're climbing this, up the ladder together. This, this is really funny. So uh, Blake and I, you know, graduation's rolling around. And... Um, oh, by the way, everyone, Blake, he's the marketing director here, right? He's the uh, director of brand now. Director of brand? Yeah. We, we were both the marketing directors for a really long I time. That, and, yeah. and that got confusing. So we had to, <laughs> to, to switch uh, titles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Blake and I, so we had done all these classes together. We graduated and we're like, got to do something together. Yeah. But that's not realistic in the real world. And then we ended up. So you thought. We, so we thought. Yeah. And then we ended up getting a tandem interview for oh, uh, for gosh. a marketing company. Like Step Brothers. Yeah. It was oh, just funny. like Step Brothers. It was hilarious. We're in the same suit and everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was a, so it was a small, really small digital marketing agency in San Diego. Uh, I ended up taking the job uh-huh. and Blake uh, decided to come back to LA and get into, into real estate because, you yeah. know, at the time he's like, that's a little bit more stable. I heard about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's when we kind of split off and I started at this digital marketing agency. Blake was in LA and one day I get a phone call um, and now our, our senior year, second senior year, um we have oh, a second senior year? i didn't know you went two years uh yeah yeah so, all right let's go so, so yeah our our second senior year of college we i was worth it for the connections though i'm yeah. sure you oh know? absolutely yeah so our we had this class and we had to help a, a real life brand and so it was this active lifestyle brand yeah um for, for it was like fashion forward clothes for women's triathlons and they wanted to do a kickstarter and so Blake goes, hey, I know this guy from my hometown who just raised a, a bunch of money with this watch company. We should we should talk to him um, and see how he did it. Mm-hmm. So Bl- Blake reached out to, to Jake, uh, CEO and founder of Movement, yeah, and to kind of get a little advice. And then after we graduated, Jake reached back out to Blake and was like, hey, I you know we just crowdfunded this company. I need some help with you know social media and marketing. That's crazy. And so Blake goes, yeah, I'm down, but let me bring my boy on. Yeah. Uh, so Blake- This is why you guys still had your separate jobs though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so um, were you kind of doing uh, your main job during the day and the movement at night? Exactly, at exactly. Okay. So Blake and I were splitting $500 a month to work for movement. Um, As your like salaries of the month, yeah, oh, that's crazy. Um, so we would we were running social media and, and quickly starting to help with other things like like building the brand, and so it was all super organic and, and grassroots. But all of a sudden, all I could think about was movement and and how do we you know grow this company and and it was almost like a full time job, but it was fun. I yeah. didn't think about it as a job. It was yeah. like a hobby or a project was it almost like you got more energy once you went home and started yeah. switching gears Ab- absolutely yeah that's awesome couldn't wait to come home and like like brainstorm what's next blake and i were on phone calls every night um and it just became a real passion project so it's really awesome how you were balancing the two 
uh, when did traction start to happen with movement? And then you kind of started thinking, oh, maybe I should try to take off a little time for my main job during the day. Maybe think about this transition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it happened pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um, I we, mean, this company has happened rapidly. It's only like yeah. five years old, right? Five years old. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. We we had just um, released, we had six original watches. And I could just tell by social media and on the website, like everything was selling out. And, you know, Blake and I were running uh, Instagram at the time, Facebook, all that. And we just hear people like, when are you going to restock? when stuff coming back online yeah online so we'd be the ones responding to all that yeah and um you know at that point we kind of knew all right what's next like we believe in this company we love working with everyone here and one day we just called jacob and we're like i think it's time that we you know take this to the next level like what could we do to to come on full time yeah and you know within a month of that conversation sold everything I owned, <laughs> took out a loan and, and Oh, like from one of those personal loans you get in the mail? Like yeah, one of those? Yeah, I moved oh, to LA. I couldn't afford to live in LA at the yeah, time. I, I, I took I a huge you. pay cut to come work full time for, for movement. So, yeah. you know, kind of sold everything and, and, and moved out of here and, and restarted. Sometimes I think you need that fuel in the fire though, because having a backup plan almost makes you kind of not invest yourself all the way sometimes. A hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. And and I know it's not like possible for everyone and and stability is great and and to work on on something on the side that you're passionate about while while you're making your living is, is yeah. awesome but to, to go all in on something that's when the fire like really started well because it's like survival at that point right oh totally yeah yeah <laughs> do or die i 100 percent agree however when we're talking about you know whether like making that full leap or not i mean just for the audience out there, this isn't the only way to make a transition to something that you're passionate <laughs> about. I mean, there's plenty of like examples like Logic the Rapper, for example. He grinded out doing day jobs and uh, rapping recording at night until he finally got signed to Def Jam. And totally. There's a bunch of other examples like totally. that where they just took the balance and there was more of a smooth uh, rise not so much of jumping off the diving board. Yeah, but you mean, don't always have to jump off the deep end. But yeah, but I love this. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it it was great. And I, I, I was pretty confident at the time movement was going somewhere. And yeah. It, and it was just such like a product and a brand that we believed in. And we, we were so young at the time that we could afford to, to fail. Totally, so yeah. uh, it made a lot of sense at the time to just dive in. Definitely. So what are those... Uh, you know, mid beginning days look like you're moving out to LA. Are you guys all living in the same pad at the time or? So, so we had, we had two apartments at the time. Uh, Blake and I had an apartment where Jake would come over every day and we would do the marketing and then Kramer and Jake lived in a pad, uh, in Venice and Kramer and Alex and some of the operations and customer service, they would, they would run everything out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had op an ops apartment and then we had a marketing apartment. Okay. And okay. that's how we ran the whole company for, you know, like a year. Uh, out of it. How far apart were you guys roughly like time, like uh, travel wise? Ah, uh, they were in Venice. We were in, in Century City. So it was like, a you know, jaunt. yeah, 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Not it wasn't bad. bad. Yeah, definitely. With traffic or without the, the question? With, of without. The without. Oh, okay. Tight. <laughs> nice. Awesome. I mean, okay. So we're cruising on that. You guys are seeing sales rise, but... We didn't really hit the kind of magic ingredient here when it came to you guys getting sales. You were 
in my eyes, kind of one of the pioneers of influencer marketing, in my opinion, at least executing it well. Thank you. Is that kind of what you would say was your bread and butter in the beginning of getting acquisitions and sales or what were you guys doing? I think there was, there was two pieces to it really. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we first started, we didn't create any content ourselves Mm -hmm. and we didn't, we didn't commission any, like all we relied on was, was customer photography. Yeah. So when we came yeah, in, you put that slip in the yeah, box. We, said, put the, we put hey, the we'll insert. Shout you out, right? Yeah. So we said, uh, we had a, like a hundred dollar contest a month and the best photo got a hundred dollar store credit. So we were just getting tagged in a bunch of photos. And now Blake and I were curating this feed, um, and kind of seeing what would do well for the brand. It, it was almost like we reverse engineered the brand because you know we had this great product, we had a following, but we didn't really have a voice or an aesthetic or you know, a, a real brand. So we were kind of seeing what did well. Yeah. And we noticed travel, anything like that we posted relating to travel. You guys were kind of adapting to what caught attention essentially. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And so we noticed like it kind of like, it's a piece that you can show off while you're traveling that puts you in the moment, but doesn't distract from it, but sure. lets, people know that you're there. Yeah. In terms um, of the watch. In terms of the watch. Yeah. Yes. So, so we noticed travel was a big aspect that our audience liked. And so we continued to, to, to push forward with that as well as fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and back then we only had a men's watch and, you know, 2014 Dapper was, was pretty in. So we kind of had like a lot of suits going on and we would literally just trade product for photos. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was kind of the start before influencer marketing was a term. Yeah. Um, before we paid any for photo shoots, and photography. I don't, I don't think influencer marketing was even coined at that time. At yeah, all. yeah. Yeah. So we we were we were trading, you know, um, product for photography, mm-hmm. and then we started doing the discount codes uh, to to help track influencer marketing. Yeah. Which probably wasn't coined at that time. Yeah. And we were noticing huge sales and acquisition from it so crazy. uh it was really an untapped market and what uh what, in terms of like following what following were you seeing a lot of sales going on with the discount codes at the time was it people with like a hundred thousand followers like, or? like it, it was all over all you know over the it, 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 it really depend on how engaged their audience yeah were. how engaged their audience was what niche they were in if it yeah. was a watch account like it would do really well you know if it was a like, fashion account would your perfect person be like a watch unboxing account that has a million followers probably right <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, obviously that did really well, but at the time there was even less following. The The reach was up. Um, yeah. So it, w- it was e- kind of like the wild, wild west. Like we were just trading watches for posts, yeah. photography. Um, so that was definitely a huge aspect of like um, element of, of movement's growth was, was hitting influencer marketing early, yeah. kind of pioneering the space. Um, you know, then it kind of evolved into, you know, negotiating contracts, more, more business, more than, commissioned work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Versus just, here's a watch. Do you want to post about us? Yeah. You know? People probably smart up be like, eh, let's talk a little this, this, money. Here. Yeah. So, so we were kind of in those early stages where, yeah. um, it was really, really effective. Oh, um, and the ROI was insane. Um, yeah. but it took a lot to scale. You know, it, it took a team. And well, you need volume of people creating this content too, right? Right. Because you're right. not going to get someone to just create thousands of images for free, right? right? So it's right. Just like you just had to have multiple people so you, across so you the need board, right? Multiple people reaching out. So I, I think um, partnering with 
with people early on was a, a huge, um, huge part of movement's growth. And I think it helped establish a lot of relationships for us and, and finding what was right for the brand, who's the partners we wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think we did a, a very good job of, of Facebook advertising early yeah. on. And that's something that doesn't take a lot of like teams or like manpower. It's yeah. just kind of finding what works and scaling that up. So I think um, really strategic Facebook and, and paid acquisition strategies as well as um, the influencer really like shop movement up with such a lean team. Yeah. You know, there was seven of us. Did you have any specific campaigns that really stood out in the beginning? Because in a previous interview I had with Stephen Brelly, which you probably know. Oh, he was in my fraternity as well. Oh, was he really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that kind of connects the dots too. <laughs> Actually, fun fact too. He said that, uh, is, it, is Drew his name from the Chainsmokers? Is yeah, it Drew? Drew. Andrew or Drew? Drew. Was he somewhere in there too? Because uh, Stephen said that you guys all partied together. At a uh, time. We we booked him for one of our frat parties that booked Alex and Drew. Uh, yeah. I didn't know who they were at the time. That's crazy. Uh, I, yeah. I, you know, that was probably before they were signed too. Probably. That was before Selfie. So we had a lot of fun and and that was an amazing party uh, awesome. back in the college days. But no, those guys are great. And to see their success uh, at the same time, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. Shout out to the Smokers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but sorry, ro rolling back, Steven. Steven had an example of a campaign that really just killed it when it came to conversions. And it had to do with like a green shirt and like, you know, explain the different outlays of like the photo that he used. Did anything stand out as just like a killer campaign on Facebook or yes, social at all in yes. the beginning? Um, Compared we, to the rest? We had, uh, it was actually, I don't, I don't know if it was the product or the image that kind of chicken or the egg kind of thing. Yeah. But we had this this new watch coming out that, um, to be honest with you, I was a little nervous about. Uh, it was it was a chronograph watch, um, but it a chronograph is like it's it's like a stopwatch and it's very per precise. And we kind of decided to take a more artistic interpretation of it and did no numbers, no tick marks, and it's so it's super minimal. Yeah, which kind of is like counterintuitive to the the function of it but it, it looked great but we were concerned that like we would kind of get shit on for it <laughs> and yeah. uh this watch ended up being our our best-selling product of all time really and there was one image from uh this fashion blogger his uh account is what my boyfriend wore mm. and it was back email i'm guessing uh <laughs> this, this is a a guy well my boyfriend so oh, okay. it was like coined by his, his, his girlfriend at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, his like, account. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, it could be the other way. It could, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, uh, his name's Sergio. Uh, he's in South Africa and we, we linked up with him cause you know, he has great fashion. Um, and there's this one picture that just all of a sudden it was everywhere. It was just absolutely crushing acquisition on Facebook. And that watch was like, you know such a big part of our, our our business and and you know since then we've diversified a lot in yeah. in in our uh product line but that was just such a moment and when this watch took off and it was always out of stock that i was like wow was this still the kitchen days yes absolutely yeah. but it, it was like so powerful that one image could change the whole trajectory of the business at the time like yeah. i'm talking a serious portion of the business that's crazy so that's when i knew like like cr how cr 
how important creative was. I mean, I've been kind of seeing it even recently. Like, you know, Kim, she, uh, Kim Rosart, Kim, my girlfriend, if anyone doesn't know. Um, but she recently tried to, she is starring kind of her YouTube side of things. Mm-hmm. And she put out a video and got it shared by the right influencers and stuff. And it has like 100K views when she has like barely any subscribers. And it, it, in a way, it kind of took off. And I think it's more from like the creative and the exposure, kind of like what you're saying. Because totally. you'll see a lot of channels that have even 10,000 subscribers or whatever that don't even touch that view count. Right, right. So it, it's just interesting seeing like what the right placement can really do for something, especially when it comes to social. T- totally. And like, yeah. it, it's it's all, at the end of the day, it's all about the content and the substance at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you need a little bit of, of push or luck to, to get that out there. But, you know, just the right piece of creative can be so powerful and, and really elevate, you know, your brand. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of talking about the beginning days, but what role did you, did you play a role in the design of things back in the day or what was your exact role? In <laughs> oh the beginning? man. Were you it, just uh, every, every, every job, kind every, of thing? everything. We, we wore a lot of hats. We were super scrappy in the beginning, you know, yeah. um, everyone was, uh, you know, um, Kramer, uh, our, our co-founder, he's, you know, working with our manufacturers and, and, and on the design. And he's also running customer service and, and Jake's out here doing everything you know he's he was the one who first kind of pioneered facebook for us and and got it like the ball rolling and jake has done such a good job of understanding an aspect of the business really kind of mastering it and then putting someone else that's better at him in that role Mm -hmm. and moving on to the next aspect and he's grown like you know an amazing organization by by doing that So at first we had to wear a lot of hats. So Blake and I, we came on uh, full time. We're both directors of marketing. I don't even know if we didn't have a job description. Um, So uh, first thing we came. Well, when I did my research, I kind of checked up on your LinkedIn. It went like social media director, marketing director, and then creative director. But in a way, were you kind of just making up your name in the beginning? Yes, in the beginning, yes. So so Blake and I, our, our, our first task was to really kind of further develop the brand when we came on full time. So we, yeah. we made a brand Bible. We really like wanted to put our mission statement down. What, what are we going to put out to the world? And then we revamped our email program. So we ended up hiring a new email agency and started doing all the creative for the email. Then we started working. What, what did the email agency do, by the way? Did, do they kind of uh, get acquire more emails for you or not really campaigns for that or no it, w- it was more so design and, and de- development of like coding and, and deployment um working on our with our uh email service provider um and and just making sure doing the reporting and so kind of like all the nitty-gritty stuff we were coming up with the concept and the images and they were doing all the, the design and and development for that mm-hmm. um I actually, I did all the graphic design when we first started out. So I was doing all the creative for the homepage, even though I have no design background. I, 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 <laughs> I taught, like that self-taught I, I, Photoshop I, Lightroom and all that. Oh or? yeah. I yeah. taught, I taught myself that in college. So I kind of, so I came on and like a general I, idea of how to do. Yeah. Things. So I was retouching all our product photography for the website. We were doing email. We were working with a, a freelancer who was running our Facebook page, uh, uh, our Facebook ads. We were running all of social media, and then at night I was like design designing watches. That's um, crazy. And our design process was really slow at first. We would sketch something up, send it to our manufacturers, 
then get a sketch back and go, nope, change this little thing, then send it back, then sample. For what's possible and what's not yeah. at the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, they begin... and your manufacturer's in China and still is, right? Correct. Correct. We have a, a couple manufacturers in, in Asia. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were wearing so many hats. Just we were working 90 hours a week. That's crazy. I'm, but the thing is, when you're investing to something you love slash energizes you, the time just rips by. Oh, yeah. Right. Totally. It, I yeah. mean, I mean, you, look, you're, you start work and the next thing is like four in the morning. Like, oh, where did everything go? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. And, and it's, there are hard days where you're like, ah, <laughs> uh, but for the most part. It right? was so funny because Blake is a, an early riser. So we're, we're living together. He's up at four or five a.m. hitting the gym, getting stuff going. I stay up to like 4 a.m. So we kind of had 24-hour cycles going where That's we were good. just moving movement forward. And I had 24-hour customer service off that too, right? <laughs> uh, we, were, we were actually not doing that at the time. No, uh, no, I'm just kidding. personally, but... <laughs> uh, cool, now we, I think now we, we got some uh, pretty good customer service hours going. Definitely, Kind of up yeah. that. Um, but yeah, we were wearing so many hats and um, just all across the board. And we learned so much. We we worked with a lot of third party agencies, which again allowed us to stay lean and scale. Yeah. So we had the uh, a lot and, of contractors essentially. Right? Yeah. So we yeah. had a, we had a, a freelance Facebook guy um, doing paid paid. You know, kind of. Did like, you have any like method when it came to working with these specific people and finding we, them? We were all, we were like the direct point of contacts for that. Yeah. Um, oh, finding. As yeah, like for finding your Facebook guy, for example, did you go through a service or was it more word of mouth like you already knew someone? It was uh, like referrals were definitely yeah. the best thing for us. Like we talked to brands that had done it before. Like um, we went to school with the Pura Vida guys. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Pura Vida yeah, bracelets, definitely. but uh, they introduced us to their email, uh, their email agency. So we were just really trusting the people in our network around us to, to provide good referrals. But um, yeah, we had an amazing... We, Still do have an amazing uh, web development agency in San Diego who mm -hmm. we, who's really scaled with us. A lot of our third parties have also scaled with us. We've, we've seen the growth. Um, but yeah, we... we Everyone's eating. <laughs> yeah. We outsource so many things, but these people were experts in their area and they worked with so many other brands that they knew what other people were doing and we learned so much from these agencies. Yeah. That's wild. That's awesome to see kind of like this whole group of companies growing at the same time. Too. Totally. The, the whole industry is is booming and, and like, you know, being all growing together has just been so exciting. And it feels it feels like they're an extension of the company, you know, mm -hmm. but it's a it's a loud movement to stay lean and like really think about creative and and, and the marketing strategy. And then we've had other experts, you know, kind of coding and deploying yeah. and sending us back reports so we can know um since we've you know uh, built out a lot more robust internal structure but yeah. at the beginning it allowed us to scale very fast in terms of year count <coughs> sorry look see if we can cut that <laughs> year count i'm kind of sick so spencer what i'm we're kind of documenting the growth over these last five years in your process what uh year mark are we at currently with the story we're kind of unfolding. So uh, in between somewhere in 2015, 2016 uh -huh. uh, is when uh, we finally moved out of 
you know, being in a living room. Yeah. Uh, and finally got our, our, our first office over in, which in Culver City. Which wasn't this one. No, definitely not this one. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a, uh, this one's glorious, by the way. You guys should see it sometime. <laughs> uh, yeah. This office is amazing. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, more of a little box in, uh, in Culver City and it had one conference room. So we're all fighting for the phone all the yeah. time. It wasn't like a WeWork or anything, too. You guys probably just uh, paid a lease, right? Correct. You're moving into this office and what's going on? Like sales are scaling, uh, marketing campaigns are scaling. Right, right. Every Everything's scaling. Is your role the same essentially? Uh, yeah, or director. Transitioning to yeah. a different one? So still director of marketing. Things are looking up, but, you know, Jake really was the one who was like, hey, we are kind of at a little bit of lack of experience to really move forward yeah. um, and, and continue scaling at the same growth. Like we, we've built an amazing brand at this point mm-hmm. um, and the sales were incredible. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we were doing like 30 million when we were still like before. How many office. people were officially on the team at that point? Like eight, Crazy. eight or nine. Um I'm shaking my head. Just come like, damn, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so, like that sucks. But, but <laughs> you know, around that point, we realized like we really needed some experience yeah. in here. So that's when um, we, Blake and I and Jake actually interviewed our current CMO, uh, Ryan Dell, um, which was weird because I was like interviewing my boss who was about to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that stand for? Just for the listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah. Chief marketing officer. Okay. So he kind of oversees, you know, the, the whole marketing department and really making sure we, you know, hit our financial goals mm-hmm. and, and really st- strategic. And uh, but yeah, we we were older li- guy, right? Yeah, I mean, you guys are a team of like twenty-ish year olds. Yeah, right? so. yeah. Um, okay, so cool. we needed someone with experience, you know, yeah. and and he had a, a you know fifteen years of experience in marketing and ecom. Um, you know, acquisition, and we really needed to some to learn from someone. Yeah, uh, Blake and I obviously hesitant at first. You know, all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have we have to have a boss now, or yeah, and yeah. and you know, that's very naive from from a young company. You know, kind of like we want to stick to you know this core group, but we realized like quickly, it, we learned so much from ryan and and really helped us build out the team like what pieces do you need um you know just budgets forecasting and we started adding more pieces to the team you know we added a a data scientist and then we pulled facebook advertising in-house and then we got a director of Mm e-com and and all of a sudden that's when we really started scaling and and becoming uh, you know efficient and and tracking everything you know before we were kind of just Oh, there's money coming into our Shopify account. This is great. I, you know, the thing I really like about this part is that <clears throat> you guys were kind of balancing every hat in the company. And at some point you realized, okay, if we're really going to take this to the next level, we can't be the best at everything, right? Totally. And and it's it, kind of like the uh, master or I'm going to mess up that. <laughs> uh jack of all jack trades, of all trades master, master of none. none there we go yeah yep and um you know it, it was hard for us to give up a lot of you know the things we love doing like you know working directly with the website team posting on on social media you know we never thought we were gonna not post on instagram you know we always thought we wanted to have that touch point with with the with the customer and and with our fan base 
but you know we we hired people who were better than us you know yeah. more versed in, in in social media and that took so much off our plate for us to think about the bigger picture the brand as a whole and where we were heading with our marketing campaigns yeah. would you say it was like a major inflection point for the company's growth too like huge did it skyrocket at that point huge. because you had all these people with a lot of past experience in-house it not only skyrocketed but it you know poked a lot of holes in what we were doing wrong and how we could become more efficient you yeah. know we just weren't tracking a, a lot of things with the business we didn't exactly know where we stood and you know we weren't being efficient with you know how we were spending on everything and bringing kind of experts in um who fit the culture that was actually a huge part of us everyone we've hired it's felt like a family here so that was a, a big point of hiring but these people were are experts in their field and they just helped tighten up the business so much and allowed everyone to think more holistically and yeah. that was a huge period of growth when it came to the hiring process too, who's doing the interviewing at the time? All three, all three of you, or yeah, uh, pretty much all of us. Um, at the or at four, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm counting the others though. Plus, yeah, yeah. Um, I still do a lot of interviews. Yeah, just as as part of like, I I work with a lot of the departments still, and so I still like to be involved in making sure they're a culture fit, and um, you know we. We work across so being on marketing and creative, we work across so many different elements of the the business. You know, we're working with design and development team to yeah. to, to bring uh, a watch or sunglass campaign to life, bring a product, tell that story. So you know, we're in all those interviews, and so it's it's such an important uh, aspect of the business is being I, able to to hire the right people who yeah. who you you know you're coming in every day. It doesn't feel like work here. When we come in every day, you hired the right people. We hired right? the right people, and it feels like you no know, no one's trying to like get one up on each no. other. No, you see that a lot in other companies totally. too. It's yeah. crazy, yeah. especially in the corporate environment. Ab absolutely, yeah. and here it feels like we're part of a team. I feel like I'm walking in here, and it's like I'm coming to a party in a way, which you know, depending yeah, yeah, on who you talk, it gets distracting sometimes. Yeah. There, there's no doubt, but um, but everyone still is task oriented from what I've seen too, which is a good balance. But this brings me to my other question is kind of what are like the key traits you look for when you're hiring someone? Because like I listened to like the Tim Ferriss podcast, for example, and he always asks these top CEOs this question. And a lot of them reply, you know, someone at a base level, they have to be someone that I can get along with and maybe want to grab a bite to eat with or grab a beer with. Like it can't be, you know, awkward in a way. And also being kind of a master at their key task too so right. what, what do you kind of look for when you're hiring someone um i definitely look for like that we just vibe immediately yeah. like i like someone who's who's like pretty relaxed and that we can conversate about something outside of you know the job yeah but before we get into it um i like people who are really passionate you know like when they like t give me a, a real life anecdote about something they were passionate about in the past and, and how they've like been a problem solver. Mm -hmm. um, that is something I, I really look for. I, I look for people who would, would go to the school of Google before they ask me a question. You know, I like to say that like they, they figure out solutions before asking someone else. Yeah. So someone who's really action oriented and isn't scared for like rejection or to, to who takes really good feedback and, and criticism 
So um, would you say kind of from a management point of view too, it's not such a bad thing that someone messes up, but it's more about how they recover from that. Totally. Right? I mean, we fucked up so many times on, yeah. on, our, <laughs> on our way up. And uh, that was such a learning experience. And some of our failures have been our biggest teachers. And I, I look for someone who's ready to fail mm. and who will grow from it. Yeah, and, and like failing fast kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's our whole company in, in, in a nutshell. Um, we've made a lot of mistakes in the past, but we've learned from them. Mm-hmm. You know, we do a lot of like testing, A-B testing, and, and that's kind of the same way with failing. You try something and you learn from it and you move on and you grow from that experience. Yeah. So I, I like people who who come in and, and are excited and, and not afraid to, to fail at something. Mm-hmm. Well, continuing the story, uh, you're you're hiring on people who have a lot more experience than you do at specific tasks. Yes, that that we used to own, yeah. and, and now they're owning those tasks exactly. that we used to do. And you were at the prior offer office in Culver City. What did it take for you to transition to this? I don't know. In my eyes, huge office. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, in Ply, we're in Playa Vista, right? Correct. I get confused because we're really close to Marina del Rey, too, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, it's a great little area. There's a yeah. lot of really cool. I mean, Facebook's two minute walk down there. There's a lot of great, um, you know, tech companies and 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 start Silicon startups. Beach in a way. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, to be completely honest with you, I don't know if at the time we were ready to move into this office. I feel like I've heard that in the hallways before. Like it was kind of scary in the beginning. It was because you didn't know if you'd really be able to fill the shoe. It was very scary for yeah. for, for me actually. I I think Jake knew exactly what he was doing, and by that I mean his house is right across the street. <laughs> his apartment is literally a two minute walk. Yeah, and he gets this apartment, and two months later we moved into this office, and I was like, Jake, did you did you right get there? this so you could walk to work? Yeah. No, um. The, it's such a, it's actually very difficult to find uh, a good office in Los Angeles, especially by Venice and Santa Monica. You know, Snapchat has a ton of offices. There's a lot of tech companies coming in. So I think it was more about believing in the company and seeing the opportunity in the space. Like, it, yeah, like it, you were seeing a certain ratio of growth going on. Right. But it was like, uh, okay, we really do need to take a step up if we're going to be able to maintain the spot in a I, way. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't think any of us expected. Um, I don't think any of us expected that we were going to fill this office up. Mm-hmm. I think we we were like, let's get a cool office where we have a lot of conference room space. That that was the biggest problem was we all need conference room space because we work with so many third parties. And so we got the space to have conference rooms and, and space to, to kind of, you know, have uh, creators and, and whoever stopped by. But we ended up really filling it up. And I don't think anyone expected the the growth of internal personnel. Mm-hmm. So I think once we were in here and we realized where we were at in the business, we all kind of saw that, okay, we can invest more in our internal team and really grow the internal team mm-hmm. one, once we were in here. So we kind of shot big yeah. uh, initially. So you were you know, a little hesitant about moving into this new office, but you quickly found that you were filling the shoe and sales were probably, you know, on exponential growth at that point from the stories I've read and everything going on. Right. Yep. Correct. So now present day, you're getting acquired by this huge company. I mean, what kind of took you from 
I would say point C because you know this was a whole process. Probably like around year four in the beginning is when this whole transition started to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, what kind of took you guys from still being private, still doing your thing, still hustling, still growing, to now you're getting acquired by this uh, giant e-com company? Um. Well, I think it was really a lot of investment into the brand. Um. So bringing on uh, a fantastic internal designer because it really starts with the product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we brought on Thomas who has worked at uh, amazing companies like worked with Nike, Fossil, um, Electric. Um, so he has a ton of experience in the watch and accessories industry. Mm-hmm. And wh- where before we were just kind of leading with instinct on, on what we were doing uh, design-wise with our products. Uh, he really brought a new level of uh, research and looking into to fashion trends and 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 development and materials that really elevated our brand. And we had been we had been working with him freelance for years, so um, we knew that we were like that because you already had a relationship at that point. Yeah, we knew we worked well together, and he, he's been designing our watches for years uh, and and sunglasses. But bringing him in house and to lead that thought process. Um, and then, you know, it's awesome because this, this is my absolute favorite part about my job is we get to work with these amazing designers and we all, and we all kind of sit down and talk about, okay, what's trending, what's next. And we're, we're looking through all these ideations of of different products. And then we go, okay, what's the inspiration behind this? Mm -hmm. And, and then we get to sit down and, and really hash out like, okay, what's the core theme behind this line? And then we get to go out and build that. And it's yeah. kind of like at our fingertips. Okay, this is the, we, we come up with the story behind it um, based on the inspiration. And this kind of hits the question I also wanted to ask of what your role is as a creative director, right? So you're kind of formulating the campaign and the design, I would assume, too. Are, are you so, the lead designer when it comes to the most recent launches? No, for sure? no, 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 no. Not, not uh, product-wise. So Thomas, who we've brought in-house, he really leads the, the ideation and, and the design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in those meetings, and, and we kind of all, uh, as well as Jake, Kramer, Blake, and we kind of all decide, like, you know, Here's where the gaps are in our product line. Yeah, um, these are some new thing, some new items that can fill those. And then of course we all like kind of team up together on where we think we need to go as a brand, and then we kind of narrow it down from there. And then it's like, what do we bring to market? What colors are are going to work for this season? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so my job from there is like helping with the design process. Uh, obviously, they have all the the credentials to to really give us beautiful, unique designs. And then it's to get the samples in and tell the story, feel it. Um, so I would have work with a great copywriter to kind of, you know, write the whole background on on what really was Thomas and our team inspired by. Mm-hmm. And then we work with uh, our whole content team to put together mood boards and, and, you know, we'll do photo shoots. We'll work with freelance photographers. So would you kind of say you're the glue between the fuel, uh, in between the fuel of, the whole branding of each line. Uh, yeah, that? yeah. I think um, you know we get a lot of great inspiration from the design team. They're yeah. like fashion and marketers themselves. Definitely. Um, but uh, Blake and I add a lot of spice to to bringing it from design to market. Like, what does this look and feel like? So I work with a great uh, uh, graphic design team 
who we kind of like, okay, what's the look and feel visually of this watch? Because the best thing is that we get to own, you know, we get to own the experience between us and the customer. Mm-hmm. So we're presenting them all this marketing material online, uh, but which is really like content for us, you know? Yeah. And, and what is the, what does the, the website look like? What is, you know, the, the packaging and inserts look like? Mm-hmm. So, um, image right yeah so that's yeah. like my favorite part of about my job is telling the story of the watch and then bringing that to life and, and like seeing that. that come alive so yeah definitely new product is like my favorite thing like building the story behind yeah, it the, yeah yeah the story the mood boards the the content all that is, is by far like my favorite because i actually i love the product and that's that's like something that you're not always blessed with is is standing behind your product and and being able to to help shape that product and then give it to the to the to the customer and our, our fans is, is awesome. And I was wondering when it comes to kind of facilitating this inspiration behind each of these lines and you coming up with the story that's going to bring this product from creation to market. What do you look for, or lo- what do you look towards for inspiration in terms of like a mood board? Oh, totally or aesthetics. So. Um, you have like an overall yeah. arcing influence. Yeah, like uh, I love just listening to. By, by the way, just speaking of image, he has gray hair. By the way, that he died, or would you say silver? I but, I did. Uh, but yeah, he he's all into all this uh, creative action and and the overall image and these moods. So I actually, what do you look for I for this inspiration? Dyed this hair for the release of our monochrome line. Oh, I love that. So yeah. you know, we went all gray with this monochrome treatment. So I'm like, I gotta go all in. Dyed the hair gray yeah, as yeah. well. Um, so you know, we'll hear from like Thomas. Um, he'll be like, you know, I was really inspired by like the L.A the LAX building. It was like this futuristic building. So I weave this into the dome of a watch. We're like, okay, so I'm researching the LAX building. And I'm like, Yo, 1950s, 60s, got this retro future vibe. Like how can we like tie that into the marketing? And yeah. so it's just really like, where did the, did, did the design come from? And then what's a story of that era or that design that we can start pulling from and, and mm-hmm. um, really like telling a, a full-blown story. Our, our revolver collection was like probably my favorite to date. It was, it was a retro future design. It was based off a, 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 it's actually this watch right here. Oh, you want to show the camera a little bit? Yeah. Let's tie it. It was uh, based off of uh, a 1960s watch, but we, we updated it with a, a modern dial. So that was kind of like the retro future aspect to it mm-hmm. um, and really just ran with that. Okay, right. but so you, would you say a lot of your inspiration comes from conversation first and then you diving deeper into yeah, a topic? Yeah, yeah. This is only periodically, right? Because it seems like you switch kind of yeah, it, looks it, and inspirations a lot. It's it's right? pretty rapid change, but... Um, so it was the fashion industry, so you have to kind of right. keep up with it, right? So we'll, we'll look at like, um, we'll look at the theme behind it first and then we'll go out and, you know, maybe we'll watch movies from that era. You know, yeah. we got really inspired by a lot of 90s movies from from this upcoming launch. Or we'll kind of look to high fashion as well. And and, and in the past, you know, like uh, I'm blown away with like what Gucci's doing right now with some of their campaigns. But just kind of looking to the um, looking to high fashion, looking to pat the past, um, different eras. A lot of our design comes from architecture too. So we've kind of 
dive deep into that. But whenever a new watch comes out, we look at the inspiration and then we're watching movies. We're, like we're, we're reading, um, we're reading books from those era. Our copywriters reading books from there, that era. And we're just kind of d- diving deep into that. Mm-hmm. One thing, I mean, I'm just throwing an idea here, but next idea I could picture would be kind of something almost kind of inspired by like bike club, like grungy, dark. Dude, I, That'd be really Chuck cool. Chuck Palahniuk is one of my favorite authors. Like growing up, oh, eighth grade, I read Haunted. Uh-huh. That was like his short stories that were making people like pass out. Like, oh my gosh. I, I, oh, I love him. And, and yeah, Fight Club's one of my one of my favorite movies. But I love the grittiness of that, and like totally yeah. could see see the the super durable. Yeah, but, yeah, I feel like you're kind of flowing kind of from dark palettes. Yeah, recently. Yeah, you know, especially I'll, with monochrome to revolver. A lot of the darker, gritty stuff has, has done really well for us. Yeah. Um, Mostly on the men's side, I would assume, though, right? Oh, no. Actually, the women's, a, a lot of our, our, our darker watches have, have historically done really well. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, I think it's just like, uh, it's got a very like modern vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of our blacks and gunmetals have done really well. Obviously, like tying rose gold back into that has done really well for women as yeah, well. Your rose gold color looks dope. Uh, yeah. Rose gold, like it, it kind of gives a copper vibe. It's not very pinky. It's definitely more yeah. on the copper there's, side. There's all kinds of different spectrums of rose gold. I think you guys yeah. really had a good take on it because it wasn't like super pinky. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't super gold. It was just like right in the totally. middle of the light. Yeah. I like that a lot. So anyways, so back to the, you know, the story of the buildup to the acquisition and you guys are just killing it in the fourth year what well, we're still kind of talking about the process you mentioned the creatives and bringing the product from uh formulation to market right so what would you say kind of really just made you catch the attention of these bigger companies to where now you're at the step of being acquired what kind of was it just a from the whole process going on you think they were all watching you or when did you first catch this buzz and attention from the bigger leagues, I th- I think um, there's there's a couple different elements to it. I think our audience is very attractive right now, the millennial generation, and you know most of our consumers are from you know eighteen to to thirty four, like a, a vast majority. So I think that's a demographic that a lot of retail or or or, or bigger um, outlets have struggled to reach, and so I think e commerce is is attractive to them like it's it's uh yeah there it's such a growing industry and so i think mo- uh the millennial market is definitely attractive so and the fact that you guys have been historically successful marketing towards them they want totally some of that secret sauce totally um, but not too much sauce <laughs> um i think uh our brand um ha- has been a, a big part of what has caught some attention it, it's very unique um to our our marketing str- and branding strategies whenever we go to conferences um the number one thing we get asked is they go how do you have so many different pictures like Wait, in terms of conferences like a business conference yeah let's say we go to all a, business people meeting yeah up? yeah they go oh, we just don't understand how you have so many pictures are you guys just traveling all the time and we're like no we like me and network, supply chain me and network these people on instagram which has been our number one networking tool and we just like create raw and real real relationships with these creators that we would want to hang out with that we love and seeing how we can let them 
organically integrate our product into just whatever they're doing. And a lot of those people really like our product. So that's why these relationships, uh, you know, with someone like Sam Colder or, or um, you know, any of these other creators or, or fashion people that we work with, is it's been so organic and we've loved working and growing with them. Mm-hmm. So I think that content strategy has been a huge part of our brand. You know, we have a whole team in-house dedicated to, to reaching out and commissioning yeah. content and building these relationship awesome relationships with such talented creators around the world so i think that that kind of that brand and that that unique strategy is something people have a hard time understanding and creating themselves mm-hmm. so i think that um brought a lot of interest into our brand as well as our socials um you know especially now very hard to grow a, a big social media following you know, it, so so why why do you think that it's harder to grow on social now than before? Um, I think it's harder because the market has definitely been been saturated. Um, it, it is kind of like a hot thing to do right now, yeah. and I think it's very difficult for brands to grow on social media. I think when you connect with a person, that's a lot easier to follow and build a relationship with online. I think it's hard for brands because a lot of times they don't have the voice and the the content that really feels like organic to social media. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times uh, brands feel very salesy and commercial to me. Oh, so, I can totally see that. So I think that's why it's hard for them to, to, to build a following. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've just been really working on, you know, we have this really raw organic content strategy and that has seemed to really help us grow. But now we're trying to refine that and really split the balance between, you know, being really beautiful, polished, but still raw and organic. You know, yeah. we want to fit the brand all the time across all our platforms, but we want a piece of raw and organic element to it. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, building up a company now, <clears throat> especially on social, is probably 100% a different strategy than it was back when you guys were Definitely. first growing, right? Definitely. Because everything's changed. Everything's the changed. The market's seen what you've done in the past and maybe they wouldn't catch on to it as totally and, and and we were scrappy at first you know we did we did giveaways and we worked with a lot of influencers that now the price is a lot higher because you know more yeah, money people been know done. that they can get money for all and, these yeah, posts and content. so um it's definitely more difficult now um to be scrappy as, as a young company but like my advice would be to you know continue just really being aware of the platforms and growing with them. You know, Instagram has, which we see as our our number one branding channel. You know, we have more followers on Facebook. We do more paid acquisition on Facebook, but you know, Instagram feels like our 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 brand. And you know, they release Instagram stories. That's a new whole new element. It's almost like a whole new channel. So just being fluid with it and and mastering that. That's that's more touch points for your brand. Yeah. So, so you would say giving a piece of advice to anyone trying to grow their own brand current day. Yeah. Just be really cognizant of those right. channels. You, yeah. Read what other brands are doing. There, there's a ton of articles out there that they don't teach you in school that, yeah. you know, other people are, are growing their, their, their businesses and their social media very rapidly. And it, and it is scrappy. So just kind of, um, I think networking is important, seeing what other people are doing, seeing, you know, who's had success with what, and then, just staying up to date on all the new functionality and, and where people are going on, on social media, trying to get as many eyeballs on, 
and, and, and touch points as possible. Kind of looking off into the future. I mean, we kind of talked about the process of the fourth to the fifth year building up to the acquisition. Are you, what do you think in movements going to be looking like in 2020, 2025? Um, you know, we really started out as a watch brand on, on our crowdfunding campaign, but we always knew we were going to be more than that. And like the goal since the beginning was to become like a full fledged lifestyle brand. Um, so it was big for us to, you know, go from movement watches to movement and then release sunglasses and then to release bracelets. And we've had huge success in both those categories, which are completely different as far as product life cycle and, and how it is to release and develop and design them. And we've just been thrilled with how they're doing and how it's been received from, from our audience, you know, staying true to providing a great product at a great value. Yeah. So I really see us expanding our, our, our product line. I think it starts to more just lifestyle in general, like yeah. all kinds of pieces of products. Yeah, who yeah. Who, who knows where, where it could be in, in the future. But, you know, to, to jump into two categories that are so different from watches like sunglasses and jewelry and to have success in that, like, I, you know, I, I see, a, you know, a ton of opportunity in the future. So we're really excited on, on where like movement could, could go. But I think it's really starts with the product and then really grows through the brand. So there, there's a, a ton of amazing campaigns that are, you know, up here and, and, and with the whole team that we really want to execute. And in the future, you know, just keep bringing amazing content and working with people that we love to work with. You know, that's the goal and keeping this core family unit in here and, and having fun every day. You know, that's the dream. I like that, brother. All right, man. Well, it was cool. Did you have any uh, words you wanted to maybe throw out for the audience? Anything like inspirational or uh, maybe uh, advice at all that we didn't touch on? Um, you know, like, uh, feel free to message me. Um, I respond best on, on Instagram uh, at Spencer Stumby. That's Spencer, S-T-U-M-B-Y. Uh, I think it's like really important to ask questions and ask advice from from someone who's done it before and i try to get back to as many dms as possible my, my email is absolutely flooded uh i i have a hard time responding to emails <laughs> but uh you can catch me catch me in the dms um yeah any any questions on 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 strategy or, or growing as a young brand there's like a lot of a lot of mistakes you make and Definitely. so, so to hear someone who's done it before and, and who has failed, it, it, you know, feel free to reach out or, or reach out to anyone around you. Like I know you had uh, Stephen Borelli on, you were saying, um, yeah. so he, he runs a, a, a t-shirt company cuts, awesome t-shirt. Uh, like I'm blown away by his growth so far, but you know, he's blowing my phone up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Shout out to Steven. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed with where, where his company's grown from, but I, I like always appreciate like him reaching out going, you know, what do you think about this Facebook ad? And like, yeah. you know, what do you think about this photo shoot? And so like, don't feel free to reach out to your friends, your network, um, people who have done it before because, you know, it, it's it's scary to to fail on your own. So yeah. talk to kind of about that like hustler mentality, reaching out to people for advice. What do you think? lies the balance between uh, persistence and annoying when it comes to someone looking for advice like that. Damn, that's a that's a tough one. 
Um, <laughs> I, you know, I I think persistence will 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 probably always win. I, I actually got a funny story about that. So, uh, Robbie, who's a, a a social media manager here, um, when we just moved to LA, we went out to uh, we went out to a restaurant to eat. And so the company's still kind of small at this point. It's me, Jake, Kramer, and Blake. And uh, this kid comes up to us and he, he's serving us. And we see he's got a watch on. And, you know, he hands us our food. We're like, oh, what, what watch is that? And he goes, oh, this thing, this is a piece of shit. You guys should check out movement. Like, you guys got to check out movement. And um, we're like, oh, yeah, that, that's us. And he's like, no way. Like, oh, I got to get your guys' contact information. Yeah. And for two years, he emailed Jake. And was like, dude, I, I need to work for, for you guys. I want to work for you guys. And he was still in college. And we're like, That's you know, he messaged us down the road, but like every month for like two years. And finally, you know, when we needed someone to help with social media and video, we're like, oh, what about that Robbie guy who's been messaging yeah, us so many times? Robbie. That's badass. And he absolutely crushes it. And, you know, he's so passionate about his job. And so we knew that persistence was, you know, we saw the passion there and that's like yeah. people we, we want to work with. And so he, it's been awesome having him on board. He's absolutely crushing it. So there is a fine line between being annoying and persistent. I would, I would wonder if he would cross into the annoying boundary after two <laughs> years, but you guys kind of encouraged it in yeah, a way too. We, we, we did. We, we, we wanted to, you know, you know, keep that open. I think, um, you know, as long as you have some value to, to provide and you're really passionate about what you do and it's not so much like a sales pitch on, you know, trying to get money. But if you're asking for advice, like I think people are a lot more open to that. Uh, if you just want advice or, or time, like be as persistent as you want. It's not like you're trying to sell anyone anything. Um, that just means, you know, you're trying to hustle and grind. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, you guys write that down, put that in your books and uh, implement that persistence out there. <laughs> Anyways, though, Spencer, thanks for the interview, bro. I really Yo, appreciate thanks it. Thanks so much for having me. This is a blast. I could talk forever, but so thanks right. for listening to me. Of course, man. That was Spencer Stumbaugh. You can find him at Spencer Stumby, one word on Instagram. Definitely go check out his page. He got some funny posts on there. Dude, super creative. And I want you to stay locked with movements. MVMT, one word on Instagram. Go check him out. And movement for her for the women's line. And also definitely keep up with their website, movementwatches.com, for any of their new releases coming out, especially for the holiday season. They're a perfect gift for a mom, dad, sister, girlfriend, boyfriend. And yeah, stay locked with movement. And coming up, we got Riley Beak, the founder of Bitch, the meme page. It's bitc.h, one word on Instagram if you want to go check her out. We talk about the strategies that she's uh, used to gain her following and also kind of how she runs a business off of her page. She's a super funny girl, has a really cool sense of humor. And next up, we got Rob Strzok. He is a travel creator. And we got Javon Alvin coming up. He's an actor and also a videographer. So definitely stay tuned for those interviews. You're definitely going to want to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss those. We're trying to make this thing a consistent podcast, but I've been struggling a little bit with scheduling these different creatives, but trust me, it's going to be worth it. Uh, thanks again for listening and see you guys next time. Peace.